are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Bo Eschanan Tov Shin This is also, of course, called Shabbos Nachmu. Shabbos that comes after Tishbov this year. It actually comes very, very shortly after Tishbov. I hope Tishbov for you was a very, very inspiring and beautiful day. It's meant to be. It's a day where there's so much opportunity to grow, to change, to become inspired. Wherever you look, there were programs, there were videos, there was online stuff. If a person was looking to find something that would uplift him on this day, it was so evident, it was so obvious, it was so it was so available to each and one of us. I hope the fast went well. Thank God, Baruch was a nice, cool, cool day. And I hope everyone was able to tolerate the fasting, and again, was able to really not just say, oh no, how many more hours left to this day, but to find something, and you could walk away from the day saying, right, I have a mission, I have something I can do, I have something I want to work on, I have something that I know I want to push towards, to help do my little bit, to bring the Melech HaMashiach. This week's Pasha. Pasha, we always read, after Tishbab is the Pasha of Voeschanan, Voeschanan Hashem, Voeschabbeinu begins by davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. says, Voeschanan, I implore HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But I say at that time, Leymar saying, it says, and it's, it's the way they, uh, where they explain this Fosuk in a homiletical nature is very, very interesting. So it says the, 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 uh, Ramesh Leib Sasava, explains that Moshe Rabbeinu davened that he should strengthen his betochen, his trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He davened that he should only concern himself with Bo'esahi at that time, i.e. at that specific time. He davened for the present without expressing <coughs> concern for the future. This is much like the famous, famous quote attributed to the Eben Ezra, which has now become uh, sort of immortalized in a song by Mordechai ben David. Ha'avar ayin. The past is gone. Ve'asir adayin. The future hasn't come yet. And the present is like one moment. So therefore, should one really want to worry? Why then should we worry? Right? The past is gone. Right? It's no longer exists. The future is not yet a reality. And the present is but a fleeting moment. It's a very powerful insight. But we should add something. When one delves into the meaning, the whole concept of what's the present, so he's going to realize that the present either does or does not exist, or it's kind of this uh, infinitesimal measure of time. Every part of a second that passes becomes part of the past. While the part of the second that is about to surface is the future. Where does that leave the present? The moment of Bahira, right? In, in, in which one is able to choose <coughs> and commit is, is truly fleeting. In fact, in reality, it's actually non-existent. This is the way in which connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu plays a critical role. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is above time. In the heavenly realm, past and future are all present. When one <clears throat> connects with the Almighty, he rises above time. 
Perhaps that's why we always say Hashem Melech, Hashem reigns first in the present, before we say Hashem Malach, Hashem reigns. Surely it should be in the, in the order Hashem Malach, Hashem reigns, Hashem does reign, Hashem will reign. We don't do that. We say Hashem Melech, Hashem is the king in the future. And then we say Hashem Malach, Hashem ruled in the past. And then we go on and we say Hashem Yimlech, Hashem will reign in the future. Right? It is through the Hashem Melech, Hashem is the king, that we connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thereby allowing us to experience past and future. If we waste the opportunity to connect in the present, then the past is no longer, and the future is not yet a reality. Every moment that we have the opportunity to connect Hashem when we can, every time we learn, every time we daven, every time we make a bracha, every time we say a kind word to somebody, it's, it's a huge thing. That's the concept of Ba'esahi. Make this moment count. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Parshas for Eschanan Shabbos Nachamu. This is the week. We will, where we look forward to the eventual Gaula. We've sat through Tishabab. We went through all the difficulties to the Arshus. We sat on the ground and we begged Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're so missing the base of Mikdash. We're so lacking everything that the base of Mikdash gave us. We want it back. So let's talk a little bit about what in fact is Gaula. What is redemption? What are we hoping for? What are we waiting for? What are we looking forward to? And how, Bez Hashem, can we make a step or two towards that eventuality? They tell a story that when the great tzaddik, Ra Menachem Mendel, from Vintbeck, was in Yushalayim, so one day, people heard from a distance, all life, Maharazesim, they heard a shafer blowing. And the people of Yushlaim who heard the shaifer were absolutely sure that this was finally going to be the sound of the shaifer of Melech HaMashiach. And they ran right away into the room of the Tzadik to tell him that Mashiach had come. And Tzadik went and opened the window and smelt the air outside. And he said, no, I don't smell the smell of Mashiach in the air. And at the end, it became clear that someone wanted to play a joke on the residents of Yishlaim and went up to Harazesim and blew and blew the shofar. And it was nothing more than just a, a hoax. So the Hasidim asked him, why was it necessary to open the window and to smell the air. And the tzaddik answered, because in his room, there already is the reach of Mashiach. So all I needed to clarify was, is that same smell outside, or is it just in, in, in my room? What is this, what, what, what does this story mean? What, what implication does it have to us? What, in, in, in the room of Rabbi Nachem Mendel, had Mashiach already come? Had the ghoul already come into the room of the tzaddik? Right? Yes, and we find similar stories. It's brought in the name of the, uh, of the Balatana. In, in Pelacharima, he brings that in regards to very, very great and precious nishamas, such as Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai and his colleagues, the Beis HaMikish was not destroyed. And we also can ask the same question. 
What are you talking about? Rav Shimon ben Yechai was chased away from the Romans and, and, and suffered all kinds of terrible, terrible difficulties and, and really uh, was persecuted by all of their decrees. How is it possible to say that as far as he's concerned, the Besamekdash wasn't, wasn't destroyed? It must be therefore. People think that Gula, redemption, means that it's going to, the whole situation is going to change. The whole reality is going, is going to change. And everything that's in our entire environment is going to be different than it is now. And, and on, 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 on one level, that is a hundred percent, uh, true, right? The world is going to change. But there is such a concept as Geula and and in fact, what is actually the fundamental aspect of Gula is a very, very internal concept, is a concept of Gula that goes on within the heart and mind of, of a human being. And let's bring a, a, a marshal from this that maybe we'll be able to depict this, this, this concept to, to, to us. A person travels in his brand new car, and uh, he's traveling on a very, very narrow street in, in town. Suddenly, another vehicle comes from the, out of the, out of a parking space, and, and goes in, and there's a, there's a prang, as they call it, and crashes, and crashes into him. The man gets out of his vehicle, and he's all angry, right? He wants to find out, who is this Chutzpahdika, a driver that dare be so, so careless and without looking, just drives out of his, out of his, uh, parking space without paying attention to who's, who's going by. How could it be? Right? But now he gets out of the car and he sees that the driver was his mother. Now, straight away, his reaction is going to completely change. And he's going to begin to comfort the mother. Mother, what are you doing here? Uh, how you feel? Right? Did you, are you hurt at all? Is anything, you know, anything bothering you? No, she says, don't worry. Everything's all right. Don't worry. Nothing happened. Right? And what's with you? Oive, she says, I see your headlight is broken. Oh, don't worry. I'll pay for it. So he says, no, Imola, don't worry about it. Forget it. What are you worrying about? Right? There's, there's insurance. The insurance won't pay for, for it. Right? Come, come. I'll, I'll take you to the, to the, to the hospital just to check you out to see if you're, if you're alright. If nothing's, nothing's happened to you. Oh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I apologize. I didn't stop. I thought only on, on the, I had the, the right of way. I needed to actually slower, slower, etc., etc., etc. The whole attitude completely changes once he realizes when, when, when it's his mother. She says, no, don't worry. She says, worry about yourself. I'm fine. I just got a little bit of a, 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 a bang on my, on my, on my shoulder. I'll be, I'll be a hundred percent. I'll be on fine. Oh, mother. No, no, no. I'm not gonna. Please, please come, come with me. Let's go to the hospital. And afterwards, I'll, I'll take you home. Right? And, and, or come to us and, and, and relax at home a little bit. You know, we'll have a bit of a, 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 a some coffee and some, and some biscuits together. And then we'll see what, what's, what we're, what we're going to do. There's Hashem. When we have a Beisamikdash, we're no longer going to have a Yetzirah. Each person will feel and will behave towards every single person that we meet as if he's a brother. As if he's your own mother. There won't be strangers anymore. We're not going to have this offishness that we have towards some people. I don't know him. I can't talk to him. He doesn't, he doesn't know me. Let's, let's just sort of avoid each other. No. We're going to have a relationship. We're going to feel good when the Shechina comes back and lives in it amongst Klaesel. There's no longer going to be strangers in Klaesel. We're all going to be Klaesel Achim. We're all going to be brothers, we're all going to be friends, we're all going to care about about each other. 
right? The 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 redemption can be can be compared to the the dawn, the way the dawn kind of breaks over the world, right? The the world is going to remain exactly what it was at night, but in the morning we can see everything so clearly at night, right? We were sort of groping in the dark. So too, the the the, the whole a, a purpose and the whole change that Gu'ula is going to bring is there. All the conditions, everything that needs to happen in the Gu'ula is already present now. The only problem is it's dark and we don't see anything with any kind of clarity. When the Gu'ula comes and the lights go on, we're going to see and we're going to understand the real truth and it's going to be so simple and so straightforward and so obvious, right? Until we can't even begin to understand how could it be that how could we have ever thought differently? The truth is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is found in this world even now. The Torah and the mitzvahs, they're the absolute truth even even now. The fact that we are called Mamlech as kind in the kingdom of priests with Gvagoy Kodesh is true 100% now. All the world perfect settings are in place. The problem is that in Golis, <coughs> we're in the darkness and we don't see it. And therefore, as far as we're concerned, the reality looks completely different. We sometimes imagine ourselves, and maybe our Kodesh Barakal is not with us here. Maybe it's possible to find an alternative lifestyle, not the Torah. Maybe perhaps a, a, a Jew is more similar to a, a non-Jew. Maybe it's possible to achieve a real purpose in this world by fighting, by arguing on the opposite of, of, of Shalom. But that's just our imagination and, and it's just complete, complete negativity. It's not the reality at all. We're going to talk about this much more in a moment. 101.9 FM, this is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. There's much more coming. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kurdish Pashas, Voice Khanan, Tov Shin Pei Gimel, Shabbos Nachamu. We are talking about Gula. And we just said a very startling thing. That the situation that we call Gula, that we imagine our minds, where the world is going to change radically, when Mishia comes, everything's going to be different. And we actually said that nothing's going to change. Everything that needs to happen, is there, except the lights are off. We are groping in the dark. We don't know where to go, and therefore we see the reality as being totally different than what it really, really is. And please God, when Hashem comes and turns the lights on, then we're going to see the world as it really should be, as it really needs to be. The tzaddikim already have merited their own private redemption. For them, they have a clarity. They can already see the dawn. They already recognize the absolute truth of what the world needs to be about. They tell a story about a certain kingdom where they had a king. A king was obviously a very wealthy, wealthy king. And one of his, one of his hobbies that he had was he liked to go out from time to time to, to hunt. One of the days, he went together with a, uh, one of his trustworthy, uh, uh, friends who went, who went with him, and they went to, to travel, they went to, to hunt in the forest. And the beginning went very, very well. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day, and they were traveling nicely, and they even managed to trap all kinds of, all kinds of wild, wild animals. And of course, that put them on a very, very uh, sort of good mood. They were really, really sort of uh, uh, on a high. And they continued further and further and further into the forest. And then suddenly, of course, the weather changed. And it began to rain. It began to pour upon them. 
in the beginning, they still tried somehow to hide, you know, under the, under the boughs of the, of the trees, but that really wasn't uh, enough. They got soaked, soaked, soaked down to their, to their bones. And they, they started getting frozen. It was so cold. And their teeth began to, to, to chatter. And they tried to find the right road to get out of the forest or at least somewhere where they could hide themselves until, until the storm was over. And the, 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 the storm and, and the, and the rain and, and, and the cold, you know, they couldn't even see at more than a few feet ahead of them. And they became very, very, very frightened. Finally, after a long time of, of going in the forest, they realized they were completely lost. They could not find the correct road home. And they almost gave up the king and his, and his, uh, and the person with him when suddenly they suddenly could see a weak light in the distance. So the two of them sort of traveled in that direction towards the light and they became to a little, little, you know, a little hut in the, in, in the forest. They knocked on the door and a, a, a man with sort of wild hair wearing these, these really kind of, uh, uh, animal skins and, and he looked like a, 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 like a forest man opened the door and he said, what do you want? He says, no, says, please, could we, could we stay in your house at least until the, the storm goes? They, they asked. So to their great joy, so the man accepted them into his house with great simcha and, 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 uh, he brought them into the, into the, into his little, little hut over there and he apologized to them that he really can't uh, uh, host them as 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 would be appropriate. Says you know in in the past that uh, this little uh, this little house I actually used to use it as a as as an inn. Said the uh, said the said the host. However, unfortunately, over time, guests stopped stopped coming, and uh, I I kind of I went bankrupt, and and therefore I I I I really really upset. I don't have anything. To, to serve them. However, I do have uh, in in my in my barn, I have one goat who gives who gives milk. And if you want, we can uh, I can give you I can give you some milk. So the king and his uh, attendants were very very happy on this opportunity to at least refresh themselves with a little bit of of fresh hot milk. So. After that, he uh, suggested them that he could perhaps uh, sleep. They had to get some straw there. They could they could lie down on these on the straw mattresses. And the king and his attendants, who were very very weak and tired from the whole trip on the day, they didn't know exactly how tired they were and how they could probably thank this person for the tremendous tremendous exertion he had made in 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 uh, to help them in in within you know the sort of the constraints that he that he had right they weren't uh they you know they had they had, uh, they had no choice and uh you know they certainly uh couldn't have asked for the normal comforts that that they were used to and therefore it didn't it didn't bother them at all. They were so tired and so worn out, a little bit of milk and a straw mattress sounded just fine. And and very soon they fell into a deep, deep sleep. Next morning the rain had stopped and the sun was was shining into their little into their little cottage and the king and his uh, attendants asked the the uh, owner of this little house, could he could he lead them to sort of a road that would take them out of the forest? And after he did that, they said goodbye. And again, he was they were very very warm, and they, they really thanked him profusely for what he had done with what he had done for them. A little while later, the two of them were on their way back to the to the capital city and and to the to the palace. A few days went by, and a fancy carriage made its way <coughs> into the forest and stopped right next to that little, that little house. And from that carriage came down a person wearing 
royal royal clothes, knocked on the door, and invited the 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 owner please to come to the king's palace in order to get his his rewards. The forest man was brought straight to the king, and was told that his reward was that for a little bit of milk he had given them from their goats, he would now own. A hundred goats. And instead of the little hut that he lived in, they were now going to build him a fancy palace. A little while later, this forest man met one of his friends and told him this amazing story that this person had come, who now turns out to have been the king, and because he gave him a little bit of drink to, from, from, his ga- from his goats, he got now a hundred goats. And for the privilege of allowing him to sleep on a bed of straw, he now was getting this fancy palace. The man said, wow, that's amazing. What a king we have. So what did he do? He took a, a, uh, a goat and he uh, brought it to, to the palace and uh, sent a message that he'd like to give the king some of the milk. And of course, that's, uh, straight away they, they uh, removed him from the palace and sent him on, on his way. What's what's different? So of course, we don't understand. When the king was in a desperate situation, far, far away from his palace, and the situation that really, really compromised him, he was in Golis. So then, even a cup of milk and from 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 a goat and and sleeping on on a straw bed is was comforting and invigorating for the king, and they rejoiced to get it, and therefore for that he would give her a want. But when the king goes back to his to his palace, so then even silver and gold and 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 treasures and and pearls well, are not enough are not enough for him, and they'll never satisfy him. Certainly not a cup of of milk. Says so it is with us. Now during the time of our of our Golis, as they say, Shinta Begalusa, the Shina is suffering, the skin is with us, the skin is is in is more pain even than we are. So even the little bit that that we do as simple people, the little mitzvahs we do, the little bit of Torah that we learn, the little bit of chesed we manage. Right, that's just like it's like comparable to the the cup of of goat milk and 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 a little bit of a straw bed before Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Right, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is this huge, mighty king. But when Hakadosh Baruch Hu is, is in Golis, so even that Hakadosh Baruch Hu considers so sweet and so precious in front of him, and 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 it's like and 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 Hashem promises tremendous reward. For those people that do even a little bit. However, in a very, very short time, there's Hashem. When the Mashiach comes and the Shechina will go back to, to the, to the Beis it will rise up, right? Mekim Miyofa will, it will get up from the, from the dust and it's going to go back to its correct place and, and it's, and it's honor. So then, whatever we do, even on, on high, high levels, Right, so that uh, that is not going to uh, uh, be enough for 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 us. It's going to look like you know, offering the king in the palace a cup of of goat milk, which of course is going to be turned away once the king is sitting in his in his palace. And that's what, in fact, the post says: the Giyu Yamim days are going to come, Ashetayma, where a person's going to say only bemchayfets. I, I, I don't really want these days. And the Gemara says, and the, Gemara, the Major says in, no, it's like Gemara, in, in, in Shabbos, says, what are we talking about? What days are these? Elu Yimei HaMashiach. These are the times of Mashiach. She'emahem lo'izchus v'lo'ichayva. At that time, there's no longer any merits, there's no longer any, any demerits. In other words, one of the uh, uh, main and fundamental changes that Mashiach when David is going to bring to the world is as going to be as as regards Abahira. We're not going to have anymore the same kind of Bahira. The Ramban explains in, in Pasha's Nitzavim. Says Natam Mashiach the the, the Bahira, the free choice, right, is is going to become a, a second nature to us. No one's going to want to do something that's not appropriate. 
our heart is going to be attuned and, cha- and trained to only do the right things. No one's going to want anything bad. And the person will return at that time to the situation that the human beings were on the level of Adam Orishan before he ever did the first, the first hate, right? That he did naturally what was the appropriate thing to do. And he had no desire at all to do anything, God forbid. That was the opposite of Ratzon Hashem. And that's what the Apostlech says in Yirmiyah. The days are coming. It says, Where I put my Torah into them. I'm going to write it on their hearts. And that's referring to Bittel Yetzirah. That's referring to the time where HaKadosh Baruch is going to completely destroy and, and, and make, render powerless the Yetzirah. And the heart naturally will do everything that it needs and wants and wants to do. And he says, that's what Chazal say. Years are going to come, like we're saying, I don't want this time. And that's the time of Mashiach, where there's no schus and no chava. Mashiach, at the time of Mashiach, we're not going to want, we're not going to have any desires to chas Hashem, do anything that isn't appropriate. Naturally, without thinking, we will do everything that we have to and want to do. There's not going to be any more any more brownie points to 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 get. Because getting brownie points depends on having a choice, on having a bechira, and then choosing the right thing. Then, of course, we get we get the credits from from Hakadosh Baruch they tell a story about Mushka, who uh, ran the uh, the inn for one of these you know, one of these uh, in, in in Europe. And one day, the poet heard from his friends that the Jews have this very strange holiday called Chag Pesach. It's very very interesting. It says the whole family sits together around a a table. And they eat some interesting food, and they do all kinds of interesting uh, um, minhagim, right? It's, it sounds like a really, really cool uh, experience, something that you shouldn't you shouldn't miss at all. So one day before Pesach, so the Poritz comes to to Mushka and asks him, would he be able to come join their 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 seder? Because uh, uh, you know, I, I uh, obviously. It's his boss, the parts, everything. So he really can't, can't, uh, uh, refuse. And he says, yeah, he'll be very, very happy to host the, the parts at his Seder. And Daka, the night of the, of the Seder, the parts comes, uh, wearing his, his sort of, his best, uh, uh, clothing and he sits by the table and he's looking at everything that's going on throughout the whole, uh, the whole Seder. And throughout the whole Seder, the, Mushka explains exactly what's what's being done, why we do everything, what's what's kiddish, and and he explains that uh, we toivel the the karpas in 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 the salt water that reminds us of the tears of of the Jews who who you know, suffered so much in in Mitzrayim, and afterwards he explains the whole concept of the of of the of the matzah that that's the the bread that our forefathers ate in 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 Mitzrayim. And, and, and the parts was just sitting there. He was just amazed that it's still possible to get the bread that they had 3,300 years ago. So Mushka con- continues with the, with the moral and, and the parts tastes. And he gives his, uh, opinion. No, not bad, not bad. And of course the Charei says that Mamish he, he loved and he asked for a second helping of of uh, of uh, of Charei says and you know the the uh, he Mamish enjoyed the entire evening with a tremendous tremendous uh, enjo- en- enjoyment and and he had tremendous praise for this concept of this beautiful beautiful Chag. So, uh, 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 yeah, Mushka also was very, very, uh, he was beaming, he was happy, and the pirates loved so much the, the Sudas Hachag, and they drank now the fourth cup of, of, of wine. At the end of the evening, everyone stood up, 
And they said, Lashana Bob Yerushalayim, next year will be Yerushalayim. And the, the poet was very surprised to hear this. And he asks Mushka, what is this? You're, are you planning to, to leave, leave this place? Right? And uh, you're, you're going to leave me. You can't just, you can't just leave. We have, we have a contract. You know, you can't just go without, without, without telling me. Right? And why, why do you want to go? What's, what's wrong with you here? So Muska said, no, 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 of course, everything is very good here, but Be'ez Hashem, Mashiach's uh, very soon going to come, and then we're all going to abandon everything, and we're all going to go to Eretz Yisrael. So if so, said the parrots, right, come to me straight after the Yontif, and I want to give you a, a special gift, and to uh, to help you Cover the, the expenses for the for the uh, for the road. You know, all these years you've been really, really a, a a loyal worker, and you've done exactly what I wanted, and I want to somehow pay you back for that, right? Uh, and besides that, says I have to sort of uh, uh, you know uh, uh, end off our, our our contract you know with the with the with the with the inn because if you're going to if you're going to leave I'm going to have to find someone else to to fill your your place and 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 uh, you know, run the inn. So days of Pesach went and Shavuos and many months and the pirates never heard from from Mushka at all. So again, the Karaka Pesach of the next year came, and again the poets remembered how much he enjoyed the Pesach the previous year in, in Mushka's house, and he reminded him, please don't forget to remind me again to, to, to the Seder. And in fact he did, he came that year, uh, also, and, and, and he said it would be a covet for him to have him at the, at the Seder, at the, on Seder, at the table at Seder night. And again, the, the, this, this, this year, of course, the pirates already knew what was, uh, what was going on. You already know that, uh, don't, don't eat, uh, too much matzah and too much mora, cause you should wait for the, uh, you know, the meal that comes, that comes afterwards. And again, at the Seder, they all got up and they started dancing. And again, they announced the Shana Abba So again, the pirates asked him, Mushka, Already last year you said <coughs> that you want to go to to Yishlaim. What happened? So Mushka said it's true. We hope and we constantly hope for Mashiach is going to come. He's going to come as soon as possible. But for whatever reason, he didn't come. But maybe this year, without any doubt, <coughs> he's going to come. The scene repeated itself the third year running, and this time, just before the end of the seder. Mushka turned to HaKadosh Baruch and HaKadosh said, No, the fact that you haven't redeemed us yet, okay, but if you don't redeem us, it's going to be such a chil Hashem in the eyes of this poet. In fact, that was the same argument Moshe used to save Klai at at the Egel. Let's continue to daven and hope. Ezra Hashem, any moment HaKadosh Baruch can redeem us. And all we have to do is our small little bit. Keep on dominating. Keep on learning. Keep on doing mitzvahs. And Bez Hashem, we will be zeicha to the light, to the clarity of Melech HaMashiach speedily and in our days. This is 101.9 FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchos Shabbos Lot. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas for Eschanan, Tov Shin Pei Gimelan. A warm welcome to those who have just joined us. Now, we are about to begin a new Malacha in the Hilchas Shabbos slot. We're about to start learning about Boirer, about separation on Shabbos. But before we do that, always the important details we need to know as we get ready for another Shabbos. So this afternoon, the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles is at 4.31. 4.31 is the earliest time to light your candles, and I certainly hope that after Tishbab we're all inspired, we're going to make a real effort to get this Shabbos underway as soon as possible. 4.30 is still a long time away. It's more than an hour and a half away from now. Still plenty of time to get oneself ready, get one's house ready, get the food ready, and, and light those candles. And Baruch Hashem, this week has been 
week of Tishbav, it's always a hard and trying week. Let's get ourselves into the Kedusha, into the beautiful ambience of Shabbos as soon as possible. If you can't make the earliest time, well, the latest time for benching licht today is at 21 minutes past 5. 5.21 is the latest time for lighting Shabbos lift, and obviously by then that means everything has to be done. The house has to be in order, theoretically, and not theoretically, practically. The keys have to be away, the car should be parked, we should already be in shul, ready to daven mincha, and that's the way it has to be. One may, may not really rely on the time after shkir, which is after lift benching, which is intended as just an emergency situation for someone who really, really needs extra time on a kind of a once-off uh, basis. So 5.21 is the latest time for lighting candles. Shkia is at 5.39. So therefore, that's absolutely the latest emergency time that a person can uh, can can hope for. If you want to dive in my roof, uh, and not have to repeat the Krishma, then you have to wait till 5.57, three minutes before 6 o'clock. And if you dive after that time, you're good. You've, you've fulfilled the mitzvah daraisa of saying Krishma. And then, of course, you still can come home and have a beautiful, beautiful uh, Lel Shabbos, beautiful Suda, beautiful people, Zmiris, some nice divrei Make it a really, really beautiful Shabbos for you and your family and guests. Everyone should just sit and really, really get into the Kedusha of, of, uh, of, of Shabbos. Tomorrow morning is, of course, Shabbos Kurdish Pashas Vayeschanan. Beautiful, beautiful packed Pasha. Second, uh, uh, representation of the, of the, uh, Aseris Hadibris and Shema Yisrael and so much more. It's very, actually a very dramatic, uh, uh Pasha. Uh, in all, the Haftar, of course, is the Haftar that gives this Shabbos its name, Shabbos Nachmu. It's the first of the seven special Haftaris we say between Tishabov and Rosh Hashanah that prepare us for Rosh Hashanah. They're the, they're the Haftaris that build the relationship, that comfort us, that to attempt to create a tremendous closeness between us and, and HaKadosh, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, so that's the Haftarah. Uh, the Shabbos carries on. This week we're going to be reading the third parak of Perkyavah. So put some time into studying that, into understanding some of the incredible lessons that our Tanoim teach us in these, in these, uh, Mishnayas. And Shabbos Kurdish ends tomorrow night at 6.13. 6.13 is the end of, of Shabbos. And we go into a beautiful, beautiful week, Bez Hashem. Of course, we have two Ba'av, the 15th of Av is coming up on, on Tuesday night and Wednesday, and that's one of the great Yom Tovim in, in Jewish, in Jewish history. It's a time where really, uh, we, we walk out of the entire sort of shadow of, of Tishbav and really begin our uphill climb to, towards, towards Rosh Hashanah. So as I uh, sort of said, we're going to be starting a new Malacha, we've spent quite a bit of time on the Malacha of Bishal, of, of cooking. The next major sugya we have to deal with in terms of the Malachas is the Malacha of Boire, of, of separ, separation. And in fact, we know there are four different Malachas that actually have relevance to this whole super subject of, of, uh, of, of Boire. Right? And, and it means that there are four different malachas that deal with the concept of a separation of that which is edible and desired from that which is unedible and or not desired. Number one is the malacha of dash, which is threshing. Then the malacha of zoira, which is the malacha of winnowing. And then the malacha of boirer, which is the malacha of, of separation and merakin and the malacha of, of sifting, which is all, all parts of separating that which you want from that which you don't, you don't want. Let's start with the malacha of dash, malacha of dash of threshing. That's the malacha where we try to separate 
the edible part of of grain from the uh, source in which it actually is is growing, right? And this is it's called the malacha of dash because what we actually do is we separate the the uh, the kernels of of grain from the stalks and from the chaff that's that that's around it. So in other words, after we've harvested the the grain and it's all been gathered gathered up so then they would take in those days they would take sticks and they would bang the the stalks with these sticks in order to separate the the kernel of of grain from the stalks uh, around it and when the when the uh, grain was in fact uh, huge was a lot of lot of grain, so then they couldn't just do it with with sticks. So they would take an animal, and they would get animals to walk all over the the stalks of uh, of, of grain, right, in order to create that that uh, that that separation, um, and in order to to sort of uh, really facilitate the whole process of the of the dish of the threshing, they would uh, collect. They would. Um, they would sort of connect to the animal, uh, what's called Allah Moireg, a very, very sort of big, a uh, broad kind of, kind of beam, right? And, uh, which had a sort of, uh, knives attached to it or, or, or stones. And the, the animal would drag that over all of the, of all of the stalks. And that's how they used to separate the, the, uh, the grain, the, the kernel of grain from its husk. Please, God, we're going to, in a future show, uh, further elaborate on, on the details of, of this malacha. After they finished the disha, the, the threshing, so then they would still be together, combined together with the kernel of grain. There'd still be little bits of straw or, or stuff like that that needed to be separated. So in order to get rid of those, they would do what was called winnowing, right? They would use the wind for that. In other words, they would, uh, they would take all the grain using uh, an implement and throw it all up into the, into the air. And the wind would then take all the chaff, all the, all the stuff you didn't want, all the, all the unneeded, uh, uh, extras would all be sort of blown blown away, because they're, they're much, much lighter, and the actual kernel, which was much heavier, that would fall back down onto the onto the pile, and that was the malacha of Zaira. That was the second malacha in the four malacha process of of of, uh, of Baira. Right? Now, even still, even still in the pile, <laughs> there was still left a, so, a lot of, you know, sort of clumps of, of earth and, and stones, right? And those they have to separate and take out by hand. And that was the malacha of, of, uh, of, of Baira. After that, they would grind all the, 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 the kernels of, of wheat into, into flour. However, there was still the issue of the sort of the membrane of the kernel, which we call bran, which of course was much, much thicker. And after the grinding, they needed to separate the flour from the bran, and that they would do through the process of of sifting, of sifting it with a with a sifter in order to separate the flour from from the bran, and they would do that with a with a sieve, and the flour would go through the the strainer in in the sieve, and the the sort of the bran would remain would remain above, and that's the fourth malacha of. Of Merakid. This is Soul to Soul on 11.9 High FM, the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Vochan, Vashanan, Tov Shin Pei Gimel also known by its more popular name of Shabbos Nachmo. We are talking about our introduction to the Melacha of Boira, to the four stages of the Melacha of Boira. And it's interesting to note that when we talk about 
Boirer itself. So Boirer was done in those times by hands. The Malacha of Morake, of sifting, was done with a utensil. Now, by the Malacha of Boirer, we find the, the, uh, we take out the, the stuff we don't want. And by the Malacha of Morake, so there it's on the other way around. What the stuff we want goes through the sieve, and what is the waste, that remains in in the sieve, and the flour goes down uh, through that. So we see from here that there are different types of separating food from waste product, and all of them, if they're done in the normal way, the way the malach is usually done, are not allowed to be done. In fact, there are Torah prohibitions to be done on on Shabbos. But if they're done in an unusual way, not the way they're usually done, then they'll be prohibited, but only by rabbinic edict. And if they're done as as part of an eating process, so then we're going to see that's completely mutter. As please God, we're going to we're going to uh, uh, explain. We can perhaps even even point out from all these different malachas that deal with the separation of that which is edible from that which is not edible, how far the the concept of the separation is an actually an aspect in our in our lives. The whole world is all mixed up, such such a lot of confusion and the ability that we need to be able to separate all the different parts to take that which is hushed, that which is real, that which is genuine, and separate it from the, the that which is a fantasia, that which is false, that which is lies, that makes it possible for a person to sort of develop uh, the world and <clears throat> to make himself and the world more more sophisticated. There are so many false ideologies, false ideas running around the world that sort of scream loudly that this is the most important thing and this is what we should be doing. And we, of course, know, using the Torah as our guideline, what, of course, is correct, what we should be doing and what not. The ability to separate, to sort of sift out the right from the wrong and keep the right and, and throw away the wrong is is a very, very essential part of the human existence. But that's really all time we have for today. It's just left for me again to thank all of you for really taking the time to spend a bit of time with us on Erev Shabbos to, to learn together. It's very, very much appreciated. Please, if there's any feedback, please contact me directly or via the station. We'd love to do whatever we can to improve the show and make it as, so to speak, user-friendly as we possibly, possibly can. In the meantime, just to wish you all a very warm, a very inspired, a very beautiful, unified Shabbos Shalom. And to each and every one of our radio family, a good Shabbos.